Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Colossians. And in just a moment, we'll be in verses 3, beginning in verse 18. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. And we'll read through verse 21 in just a minute. We are in our stewardship sermon series. I always begin the year with these. Stewardship just means that we as Christians own nothing and that Christ owns everything. He bought us when He saved us, and we belong to Him. And we're just taking care of what the Lord has entrusted to us. That's a very liberating concept. I don't own anything. I don't own a house. I don't own a car. I don't own my clothes. God owns everything. I came into this world, and you came into this world naked and empty-handed, and that is how we're going out. Don't forget that. All this stuff is stuff, and it doesn't matter to a hill of beans. Our stewardship emphasis this year is train yourself for godliness. Say that with me, please. Train yourself for godliness. Last week, we talked about a godly Christian and his or her faith. Today, we're going to do uh, the first part of a two-week emphasis on a godly Christian and his family. Uh, last week, we talked about Abraham when God said in Genesis 22, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, the one whom you love, and offer him on a mountain that I'll tell you about. And he went up there ready to kill his own son, but God didn't want him to kill his own son. He just wanted to make sure that Abraham loved him with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. It was a great act of faith. God blessed it, and uh, God revealed himself to him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. And Abraham gloriously passed that test. Today, we're going to move to another area of stewardship. I know a lot of times when you think about stewardship, you think only about finances, but it's not that at all. It's all of life. We're to be stewards of the faith that God has given us, and also we're to be stewards in our family. Today, we're going to talk about marriage. Next week, we'll talk about parenting. So, let's look at this Beautiful text. I love this text out of Colossians. And uh, Paul wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3, verses 18 through 21. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Wives, husbands, children, fathers, or parents. Next week, we'll look at parenting. We'll look at children and husbands. But today, we'll focus on wives and husbands. I know there are many people here today who are single. Many of you have gone through a terrible divorce, and that's the only kind of divorce there is. And my own mother was divorced. You may not know that, but then she and my father were married for over 50 years. And so I talked with her a lot about divorce, and she told me about what it was like to divorce when nobody was divorcing back when she got a divorce at the age of about 19. And uh, I talked with her about that, and so I understand there are many people here today that are single. Maybe you've never been married, but you know, if you're divorced, you might get remarried. And if you are uh, single, you might marry as well. Or maybe you'll be like Jesus or be like Paul and be content with the Lord and be single the rest of your life. 
You know, the Bible doesn't say you have to get married, but many do. And so I want to be able to share this with you today. And uh, even if you serve Christ as a single Christian, I want to give you three books real quick, write these down. And these are my wife's top three books on marriage. I brought one of them with me. We, Don and I are reading this book together every night before we go to bed. We're reading through this book. And uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. The Meaning of Marriage, Tim Keller, a great godly man of God, pastor, and an excellent author. I've heard him speak a couple of times. Really great guy. The Meaning of Marriage, Tim Keller. Sacred Marriage, Gary Thomas. Sacred Marriage, Gary Thomas. And then this book that Don and I are reading right now, Boundaries in Marriage by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Now, Don and I have been married almost 43 years, and we're still trying to make it better. Amen? Uh, we want to make sure that we do everything we can to have a good marriage. How can you and I experience a godly Christian marriage? Number one, uh, I'm going to start with the ladies just because. Don't think I'm picking on you. Yeah, I'm just doing it the way the Bible wrote it, all right? So don't get mad at me. You get, you know, if you get upset with God, he can handle it, and so can I. But anyway, uh, don't, get, don't get upset, okay? Here, here we go. We're going to use biblical language. Uh, to be a godly wife, you need to submit to your husband. Hang on a sec. There you go. A wife should view her husband as the head of the home. Both Old Testament and New Testament Scripture affirm that. It's clear. Husbands to be the head of the home. Not the wife, not the husband's parents. Did you hear what I just said? Not the wife's parents, not the children. There are far too many families today where the children rule the home. That is wrong, wrong. The husband is to be the overseer in charge of his family. The husband, the word husband comes from putting two words together, house and band. The husband is the band around the house, holding the family together. He's the stabilizing force, or should be, in his family. The husband is not to be a tyrant. He's not to be a bully. He's not to be barking out orders. Uh, he's not Tarzan, and you're not Jane. You know, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he's not a dictator. He's not to provoke his wife and children to anger. He's to lead kindly with respect. But Scripture is clear. The husband is the head of the home, and the family members should honor him as such publicly and privately. Clearly, this is not the norm. It's not the common view in today's culture. Most modern culture rejects all forms of male leadership. To say that the husband is the head of the house is considered to be antiquated and fanatical by many today. Yet it's still the truth of the unchangeable, immutable Word of God. Colossians 3.18, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Be subject. Place yourself under His leadership. And that is fitting. It is proper. It is correct. It is appropriate in the Lord. Submit does not mean that women are inferior to men. 
Dr. Rogers said, a man is better than a woman at being a man. And a woman is better than a man at being a woman. And he always paused like that, and I understand why. Because some of you are saying, oh, wait a minute, well, and, oh, oh, okay, I get it, yeah. Just as a citizen submits to the authority of government, a wife submits to her husband. A wife is not inferior to her husband, just as a citizen is not inferior to governmental leaders. She still makes decisions. She can still disagree. She can still discuss issues. A good husband will always make decisions with her consultation. You know, when God rebuked Eve and Adam after they sinned, the Bible says in Genesis 3.16, to the woman God said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. He will be the leader in the home. He'll have authority in the home. Paul said elsewhere in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, wives, be subject to your own husbands as, is to the, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject or submissive to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Head simply means leader, the one ultimately in charge of the family. When a child sees his or her mother rebelling cynically and critically against the God-ordained authority of her husband, their father, that child is more likely to be rebellious toward both parents. Hollywood lampoons everything I'm talking about when it comes to male leadership. Most all of the movies today put men in some goofy role, and they are always pictured, almost always, as being ignorant and not good leaders. Feminists decry male leadership. Nothing wrong with being feminine, but there is something wrong with being a radical feminist. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. God and Scripture declare that male leadership in the home and in the church are what God wants. And by the way, there's no such thing in the Bible as a woman pastor. You okay with that? If not, it's still not there. No such thing. Biblically speaking, the phrase woman pastor is an oxymoron. I don't even know why we discussed that at the Southern Baptist Convention. Brothers and sisters, it's time to be countercultural. A godly wife submits to her husband. I heard some men say amen. Let's all say amen. 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 Now, you're to respect your husband. Hang on a second. All right. Respect means to admire, to esteem, to value. Look at Ephesians 5, 33 on the screen. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband, to esteem him, to value him. 
You may not always agree with his decisions, but you need to value his leadership. And don't do it grudgingly. Let the children know that you love him, you're going to follow him. Don't undermine your home. Peter said you need to respect your husband. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and following, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, that is their loss, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. When you respect your husband, even if he's a lost man, he's going to note that you're doing that as unto the Lord. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. You don't have to submit to anybody else's husband, but you do have to submit to your husband. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you've become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Respectful. You're to admire him, compliment him, esteem him, your husband. Years ago, Don and I were in Florida. We'd been married about two months. So it was uh, 1980, and we were at Disney World. And we went to an island, there was a bird sanctuary. Not my favorite part of the day, but uh, we went. And there was this male and female peacock. And the male peacock walked up and did what male pe peacocks do. He started putting out his feathers and strutting around in front of the female peacock. When he finished, the female peacock looked at him, turned around, and walked off. <laughs> right in front of me. I mean, just right in front of me. Is that right? You were there. All right. Well, this guy standing next to me says, man, I know how you feel. <laughs> I thought it was time for a little levity in the whole concept here. Ladies, if you'll respect and admire your husband, don't boss your husband. Respect him. I'm telling you, He'll be a better man if you'll respect him. Love your husband also. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Love their husbands is one word in the Greek, philandros. It means to love, to have affection for the husband. Wives are also to love their children. The primary focus of the wife is love in the home. Love in the home. Not in your career. Your career does not come for, even if you work outside the home, your career does not come above your home. Ladies, your home comes first. I'm not saying you can't work outside the home, but I am saying if you do, home comes first. Not your job, not your career. No, not if you're a Christian. You want to be a godly wife? 
The husband is the head of the home. The wife is the heart of the home. And if you put your home first under Christ, God will bless you. Submit to your husband, respect your husband, and love your husband. Now let's go to the men. And all the ladies said, amen. All right, guys, buckle up. Requirements for a godly husband. Be a godly husband. Husbands, love your wives. Look at verse 19. And don't be embittered against them. Husband, your wife will be more willing to submit and respect you and love you if you will be Christ-like and a godly leader. Your wife's failure to meet God's standard could be partially blamed, not completely. Everybody's responsible for their own doings. But it might be partially blamed due to your poor leadership. You know, when a team loses, a good coach takes responsibility. A good coach doesn't say, well, our defense didn't do good. Well, our offense, he doesn't say that. A good coach says, I didn't coach good enough. I didn't lead well enough. These guys that blame all their players, their players just got the plays from the coach. It's the coach's responsibility to stand up. And man, it's your responsibility to stand up. If your not, wife's not what she should be, it could well be because you're not what you should be. So do you want to be a godly husband? First of all, you love your wife. Hang on a second. All right. Three ways to love your wife. Write this down. Don't look at me. Write this down. Love your wife with sweetness. Boy, I'm going to get a big hand now. Ooh, I spilt money everywhere. It doesn't matter. My cup runneth over. All right. Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be embittered against them. Don't be bitter. Love your wives. Now, I took three years of Greek. I don't know all, but I do know this. When it's a present active imperative, imperative means you got to do it. Active means you keep on doing it. Present means you start now and you go from now on. You keep on loving your wife. And don't be embittered. Picrino, don't be a sour pickle all the time. It's the same word used in Revelation 8, 11 about the fallen star wormwood that made the water bitter in the book of Revelation. Don't, husband, don't be a wormwood. Don't be bitter all the time. Don't make your wife's life bitter. Stop being cantankerous all the time. Stop being in a bad mood all the time. Good gracious. Surely you feel good sometime. Quit snarling all the time. Quit groaning all the time. Stop speaking harshly to your bride. Stop being grouchy. Quit whining like a baby. Grow up. 
Man up. Quit being so mean all the time. Don't be bitter. Be sweet. She'll reciprocate. God will bless you. Love your wife with sweetness. And then love your wife with selflessness. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church, gave himself up for her, gave himself up for her, surrendered. Jesus surrendered himself for us on the cross. We're his bride, the church, and men. He gave us the example how to treat the bride. We're to surrender. We're to give ourselves up. You say, well, I'd die for my wife. Great. Would you live for her? Don't just die for her. Live for her. <laughs> Don't go around being a sovereign potentate. Be selfless. Love your wife selflessly, sacrificially, like Christ loved the church and died for it. Don't bully her. Before you criticize your wife for her weaknesses, remember, those are the things that kept her from getting a better husband. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. <laughs> Love your wife with selflessness. Love your wife with service. Oh, I got a big one here now, yeah. I'm going to do two on that one. Ephesians 5, 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. How do you love yourself? By meeting your needs. How do you love your wife? By meeting her needs. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's just plain old Christianity. Love your wife like you love yourself. Your one flesh when you love her, you're loving yourself anyway. Love your wife with service. All right. God the husband loves his wife with sweetness, selflessness, and service. Now, not only do you need to love your wife, you need to lead your wife. Lead your wife. I'm going to need some change in a minute. I'll pass the container here. Genesis 18, 19, for I have chosen him, God said, so that he may command his children, his household after him, this is Abraham, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he's spoken about him. I've chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him. You need to lead your wife in a loving way. 1 Corinthians 11.3, this is so strong, I want us all to read it. You want to line up in God's line of authority, and when you line up in God's authority, you get God's protection. You get out of authority, you don't have God's protection. You don't. Read 1 Corinthians 11.3 with me, please. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. So you've got God, you've got Christ, you've got the Father the husband and the wife and the children. And everything's lined up like this. That's how you get the blessing of God. 
And the emphasis here is on responsibility, not the privilege of leading them, but the responsibility. It means you can do better. You're able to respond. That's what responsibility means. I'm able to respond. Don't tell me I can't be a better husband. I can be a better husband. I am responsible. I am able to do it. I'm able to respond correctly. I'm responsible. I'm not going to blame everybody else for why my marriage doesn't work. Husband, lead your wife. That's your responsibility. It's your privilege. Lead her in prayer. Lead her in spiritual growth. Lead her with a godly example. Be a Christ-like man. Let her see Christ in you at home. Lead her with kindness. Do not raise your voice at her. Lead her with encouragement. That means put courage back in her. Don't take it out. Lead her with gratitude. Be grateful for her. Lead her with thankfulness. Thank her for all that she does. They do so much. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Lead her with respect. That song back there, you, you've heard me say this before. I am who I am because he, I am. I like to say R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what that means to me, right? Isn't that the same thing? No. But that's what your wife is saying to you. Hey, you respect me and watch what happens. Respect your wife. Lead her with joy. Don't always be depressed. Oh, I had a bad day. Well, bless your little heart. Bless your little heart. Somebody said something ugly to you at work. Oh, I'm so jolly. What is wrong? Man up. Good gracious. Come home and don't pour all that stuff on your wife. What are you doing? Man, take that stuff off. Put it at work and go in there and have a great evening. Amen is right. Love her and lead her with happiness. Have a date. When's the last time you went on a date and had some fun? Lead her with generosity. Don't fuss about every dollar. And you cannot shop. Did I, did I miss an amen? Okay, amen. God bless you. Was that a female voice? All right. And all the men said, no, that doesn't cut it. I'm talking about the real men said, amen, amen. amen. Choke on it if you have to, but get it out. <laughs> Lead her with generosity. I thought I could shop for groceries better than Donna could when we were in seminary. So she said, bring it on. She didn't say it just like that, but just kind of like, okay, yeah, come on. I went in there. I spent so much money. I said, I will never do this again if you'll just do it for us. I'll never complain again. Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> Leader with happiness. Leader with generosity. Leader with intercession. Pray for your wife. Leader spiritually. Read your Bible. Pray with her. Lead your children. Be a godly father. Lead. Love her parents and her family. Don't talk about your wife's family. And wives, don't talk about your husband's family. Don't do that. 
Stop it. Quit talking negatively about your in-laws. Stop it. That's a no-brainer. Man. Husband. Lead your wife. And then a godly husband will study his wife. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on that one. All right. 1 Peter 3, 7, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way, according to knowledge. Study, gain knowledge about your wife. Discover her love language. Gary Chapman gives us five love languages, words of affirmation. Well, we need those, don't we? Words of affirmation. When Donna says, that was a good sermon, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> she says, you're looking good. I'm going, I don't care what any of y'all say. I just want to know what she thinks. Quality time. Quality time. Take time to make time. For your spouse. Study your wife. Receiving gifts. Acts of service. Bingo with Donna right there. I could bring her flowers. It's like, oh, that's nice. Can you vacuum upstairs? I'm on it. I'm on it. Physical touch is the last one. Find out your love language. Find out your spouse's love language. Quit loving them the way you want to be loved and start loving them the way they need to be loved. Husbands and wives should learn their, their spouse's love language. Understand. Live with them in an understanding way. A godly husband studies his wife. A godly husband also is gentle to his wife. First Peter 3, 7, you husbands, likewise, in the same way, live with your wife in an understanding way as someone who is weaker since she's a woman. Now, somebody has taken that and they said, oh, women are weaker. The word is asthenes, asthenia, weak. Delicate. I have my asthenia gravis. My muscular asthenia weak. When I first was diagnosed with my asthenia gravis almost 23 years ago, I could not even dress myself. Donna had to dress me for several weeks. I couldn't even lift my arm. Asthenia. Weakness, it means delicate. It does not mean inferior. It means delicate. Your wife is not a cardboard box. 
She is a fine piece of china. When you speak gently with her, she will be more than likely to be respectful to you. Women are the asthenia vessels in marriage. Treat her gently. Treat her with grace. Be gentle in your words and your approach and your actions. A godly husband is gentle to his wife. And then you want to be a godly husband, honor your wife. First Peter 3, 7, you husbands in the same way, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she's a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. If you don't honor your wife, God won't answer your prayers. Did you hear what I just said? Some of you guys are shooting yourself in the foot, spending time with God in prayer and being mean to your wife, not honoring her. You demean her and you wonder why God won't answer your prayers. Well, duh, there it is in the Bible. Tell me the Bible's not practical. Sure it is. I'll tell you something else. I know there are children here. When you honor your wife publicly, it will keep the kind of women you don't need in your life away from you. That's all I'll say about that. Brag on your wife privately and do it publicly. Boaz spoke kindly about Ruth, his soon-to-be wife. Ruth 3.11, I will do for you whatever you ask. How many of you women can handle that? Amen? I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know, Ruth, that you are a woman of excellence. Now we're talking. Boaz knew how to talk to a woman. Amen? <laughs> Woo! Boaz, talk to me. Amen. The man who was married to the virtuous woman said in Proverbs 31, he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. What woman wouldn't want to be talked to like that? Don't wait until she does better before you praise her. Praise her and she will do better. A godly husband honors his wife. I'm just going to read some things here. You won't have time to write all this down. But just look on the screen. I don't know. if Is it on the screen? It's on the screen. Twelve Marriage Killers by James Dobson. Overcommitment, physical exhaustion. Overcommitment, physical exhaustion. Excessive debt, conflict over money. Number three, selfishness. I don't have time to go slow. 
you can just look this up. You can watch this again on the internet. But you can't be selfish and have a good marriage. Number four, and this probably should be number two, or at least number two, interference from in-laws. If you have a married child, keep your mouth closed. Don't talk about your child's spouse to her, and don't be ugly to that person. Number five, unrealistic expectations. Number six, space invaders. All these interruptions that want to come in between you and the time you would spend with your spouse. Well, I don't have time to be with you this week, honey. I'm going to go play golf with the guys. Let me see. Golf with a bunch of stinking men or be with my wife. Oh, okay, I'm going here. What's wrong with you? Get your priorities. I'm not saying you never play golf, but you do it all the time and neglect your wife. What's going on? Fishing, hunting, exercising, riding your bicycle. I don't have time to be with my wife. I'm going to ride a bike for five hours. Duh. Alcohol, substance abuse. That's a marriage killer. Pornography, gambling, other addictions, those are marriage killers. Sexual frustration, loneliness, greener grass of infidelities. Somebody says, preacher, the grass is greener over there. I say, yeah. It's also, grass is also greener over a septic tank. Go home and think about that. <laughs> business failure, business success, getting married too young. Now, what have I been doing up here? Playing around with money? No. This is me, this is Donna. Wouldn't you expect me to be just a plastic tub? <laughs> What's wrong, I, fun I function well. I'm just not real sharp, you know. Just plain old Steve, beautiful Donna, China, beautiful. And I make deposits in her life every day. Every day. Ain't no woman like the one I got. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Why do I make deposits? Because if you make withdrawals, without making constant deposits, you're going to be overdrawn. In their book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, 
John Gottman and Nan Silver said, each time partners turn toward each other, they're funding what I've come to call their emotional bank account. They're building up savings that, like money in the bank, can serve as a cushion. When, not if, but when times get rough. When they're faced with a major life stress or conflict because they have stored an abundance of goodwill, such couples are less likely to teeter over into distrust and chronic negativity during hard times. The first step in turning toward each other more is simply to be aware of how critical these many moments are, not only to your marriage's trust level, but to its ongoing success of romance. For many couples just realizing they shouldn't take their everyday interactions for granted makes an enormous difference in their relationship. Remind yourself that being helpful to each other will do far more than the strength and passion of your marriage for the strength and passion of your marriage than a two-week Bahama vacation. She doesn't want to go to the Bahamas, boys. She wants you to help around the house. She wants you to be kind. She wants to receive those daily things, not just that one thing every two, three years. No, you can't buy what she needs. You have to pay for it a day at a time, little at a time. Little at a time, every day. Husbands, it's the little things you do for your wife that make your marriage, help with the children, help clean the kitchen after a meal, know her love language, love her accordingly, speak kindly to her, speak good about her in public and in private, and know what's going on in her life. How do I do that? Ask her. Wives, know your husband's love language. Know what he does at work. Know who he works with. Stay connected throughout the day. Text him. Call him. You say, well, we can't afford to go out on a date. Yes, you can. I'll tell you how to date. Date at home. Put the kids to bed early and have dinner by yourself. And if they try to come in there and say, no, it'll be a great thing for them to hear. <laughs> Write this down. Dialogue daily. Date weekly or bi-weekly and depart periodically. That means get out of town and have a date. Dialogue, date, depart. Say it with me. Dialogue, date, and depart. Let's bow our heads. Father, bless our marriages in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's thank the Lord for marriage. Amen.